Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, well, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. As always, I am your host, Dr. Luis Sandoval. Always a pleasure to be here talking about our Catholic faith. Today, I want to focus on a particular verse that I've been thinking about this last week. Um, it's, it's a challenging one. It's, it's a biblical verse, challenging one. It's from the Gospels. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. And it says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Wow, that's a heavy one. But before we tackle that, let's go ahead and get started with the Angelus here at the top of the noon hour. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> your protection... Be, let me start that one over. St. Michael the Archangel, protect us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke, and we humbly pray unto thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I was thinking about the Holy Spirit there, because um, I was thinking, as I'm praying, how are we supposed to be perfect? That's a, that's a challenging verse, but I think it's very appropriate in today's day and age. And why do I say that? Well, let's see here. Title of our show today is going to be Perfect Possession, um, which can be a scary thing if you think about it from a deliverance perspective, but it can be a very satisfying thing if we think about it from a God perspective. But if we're going to think about being possessed perfectly, meaning allow God into our hearts, allow the Holy Spirit into our hearts and into our lives, and be possessed by the Holy Spirit, that's going to be the, the important thing. The hard part here is the perfect. I think the word perfect always kind of gets us. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect, because we ask ourselves, how am I supposed to achieve that? Why do I think this is important uh, in today's day and age? Well, I want to think of this and tackle this issue of perfection from a few different angles, because in today's day and age, I, one of the biggest things I see that people are very upset about, that people when they come to therapy are, are very frustrated with it. And I have a story for our listeners on that. Um, is this idea of being perfect, but where do we get this idea of being perfect from? We, we live in an age where we demand perfection. 
you know, there's no such thing as, uh, as, as mistakes. There's no such thing as coming back from something. How do we know that? Because really what it comes down to here is the way we communicate. A lot of it is our social media. If anybody's on social media, I am personally not really on social media outside of Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I don't do any media. I don't have, uh, I don't go into a Facebook account. I have one. I opened it a long time ago, but it, gosh, if I've opened it in the last six years once, that, that, that'd be a lot, maybe twice. I don't even know. But the way we communicate nowadays with social media, there is this demand for perfection or an illusion of perfection um, that we demand of, of each other and, and of ourselves really more than anything else. You know, you go on there and it's a very, very real situation that people have been getting depressed. I can tell you that. This is what we treat nowadays. There's people who get depressed, who get anxious because we feel we're not measuring up. We feel we're not measuring up to the images we see on social media. If you have a social media account, I think you know what I'm talking about because this is going to be our human nature, right? If we have a social media account, all of a sudden we are going to portray ourselves to the world, but is it an honest portrayal, right? So this idea of perfection, what does it really mean? You know, we, we put up a picture and people put up pictures of gosh, you know, I'm on vacation and look at this perfect shot of the ocean, the trees, and um, or I'm into this exotic restaurant and I got to take a picture of my food to show you what I'm going to eat or look at what I just cooked. You know, there's this whole uh, dynamic that's going on. There's this whole way to socialize on social media. But the hard part is when people see these pictures, they see the, you know, other people's lives. And also we start to compare ourselves and we say, what am I supposed to to be doing with my life? Gosh, look at them. They're living this life of, of, of luxury, this life of beautiful areas, this life of vacations, this life of, they're living a perfect life, right? And all of a sudden we imagine that the rest of the world is perfect and we are not measuring up. And that can be pretty, pretty daunting because it puts us in a lonely place. What am I doing with my life? I'm not as good as other people. I am less than. I am, you know, very, eh, you know, I'm nothing. I'm just there. And that can be really hard. All of a sudden, that leads to depression and anxiety. I see this in the clinics. I see this all the time. So how am I supposed to be perfect? What am I supposed to be perfectly possessed with, right? Because we allow ourselves to be possessed with these ideas, if you will. What does possession really mean? It means something's taken a hold, right? Something owns you right now. What owns you right now? And this is where I think we need to look at this. This is why I say perfect uh, possession uh, in our title, because we need to look at these two words individually and then marry them from a Catholic perspective to the way we want them to work in our lives. Well, let's take a step back and understand how we work as human beings first, though, because why is this even possible? Why would it even be possible to be possessed by something? Um, let's start with the most basic idea. I think maybe if anybody clicked on today's because of today's title, you probably imagined I was going to talk about deliverance and about the devil and about how demons can possess somebody and how people can allow themselves to be perfectly possessed. And what does that mean? It means that people are just very comfortable saying, yeah, I want the devil to take a hold of me. In fact, I am going to uh, uh, follow the devil. That's going to be my, my faith. And I'm going to let him do whatever he wants with my life. And I'm going to allow him to uh, take over. And guess what? I'm going to be happy about it. That's the perfect part. I'm going to be perfectly happy about it. There's no question, um, no no questions asked. Where, wherever he leads me, that that's what's going to happen. That sounds pretty scary, right? We're like, Doctor Samuel, what the heck is that? I don't, even, I don't even want to think about that. Why why would you even tell me that that's possible? Why would I even follow the devil that way? Well, believe it or not, we can do that without knowing without really knowing that we're doing that. It's possible for us to um, to do that. 
No, there's a big difference between saying, yeah, I am, I am going to follow the devil. I'm going to be satanic versus, well, it's easy to fall into a trap of being um, um, led by the world and head in that direction inadvertently. So we can inadvertently be led by the world and head in the direction where all of a sudden, because of our sins, because of what we're doing, we start getting away from God. Notice that I didn't say, yeah, I'm going to definitely go towards the devil. I'm going to allow the devil to possess my life and own me. But I can start getting away from God, which inadvertently leads to the same direction. I might just say, you know, God's not really a part of my life. I, I got to look at these pictures here on social media and realize I don't measure up. That's what I need to measure up to. That's the, that's the direction my life needs to be headed. And that can be very daunting and challenging because all of a sudden, that's what's called despair. I no longer have my hope in God. My hope is in presenting a perfect picture to the world, letting the world know how smart I am, letting the world know how cool I am, letting the world know what a beautiful place I went to, letting the world know, um, you know how beautiful my life is. And I need to show that to people because if I don't, then I'm nothing. And guess what? We're, we're leading away from where is God in my life? My question is, why does this happen to us? How are we built as human beings? Well, we have the potential to be possessed by things. Why? If you ever listen to Father Chad Ripperger's talks, you know, and this is true, I've thought about this so many times, we are not uh, our own person. We're always going to be a slave to something. There's no question about that. The question is, what am I a slave to? God didn't build us to be independent, autonomous uh, islands that don't need something else. If you think about it, we need food to survive. We need water and, you know, we need drink and food. We need water for sure. Without it, our bodies aren't going to survive. We need something outside of ourselves to continue to survive. If we're going to grow mentally, we need to keep reading. We need to keep learning. We need to keep uh, uh, hitting the books and learning about what it means to be Catholic. We're not stagnant. We need to keep moving forward and we need to keep consuming things right that we're, we're we have to consume things in order to survive you know if we think about ourselves then you know that's mentally we're gonna think about ourselves spiritually what do we do we consume the body and blood of christ um, at mass we need that for our spiritual well-being we also consume the lives of saints we read saintly books right we read about different things that are going to make us holier we are all we were, weren't born knowing everything we are always learning, absorbing, and growing. We are. We have to rely on outside sources for our growth, for our maturity, for our continued uh, uh, path towards heaven. There's no question about that. That means that I rely on other things. I'm not independent. And I need to decide spiritually what's going to guide me, who's going to guide me. I can't just say, you know, gosh, I'm here and that's that. No, I need to make a choice. I need to make a choice spiritually because I can't all of a sudden decide, well, I'm going to guide myself spiritually. Well, here's a challenge. Who's going to guide me spiritually? Who am I going to allow to guide me spiritually? Am I going to allow God to guide me spiritually? Am I going to allow the devil to guide me spiritually? Or am I going to allow the world to guide me spiritually? Well, if we start with the idea of social media and I allow social media to possess me, I'm allowing the world to, to guide me spiritually, right? There's no question about that. I'm saying, hey, I'm going to allow my mind to be consumed by what I'm seeing on social media. And that's really what I'm going to follow. That's what I'm going to allow my heart to follow. And I'm going to say, every day I'm going to get on and I'm going to spend so many hours. Some people might say, no, 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 it's not possible. But really, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about how is it that we are possessed and consumed by social media in our modern day world? It's possible. Let me tell you, it happens. And I'm going to share a story with you 
that one of my stations. You don't want to miss that. All right. Well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. And today we are talking about perfect possession. Perfect possession really can mean a few different things, but uh, in the classical classical sense here in the, in our, our ministry, in our Catholic faith, we talk about the very horror of perfect possession where it is diabolic in nature. Um, and what does that really mean? What does that mean for us in our society today? I want to talk all that, tackle that topic first. We're going to talk about social media and how that can lead to a perfect possession or how really anything can possess us perfectly and what happens if we are uh, possessed by social media or the internet in general because i got to talk about a patient who was uh, obsessed and, and, and uh, really perfectly possessed at some point and then he started to fight it you can always fight it you can always decide to fight it but perfect possession after a while you get so complacent in it that that's your life and, and that's what you do in order to understand this better well let's look at what possession means okay let's just look at the definition of possession it's always good to start with definitions and say what is it that we're really talking about so possession, I'm just looking at a general definition here um, from the uh, Oxford Dictionary. And it says, number one, it's a noun, okay? And it says, the state of having, owning, or controlling something. They give an example, a sentence example, and it says, he had taken possession of one of the sofas. So in other words, he had it, he owned it, and he controlled it. Another thing of possession can be the item itself, an item of property, something belonging to one. And the example they give is example sentence. I always like example sentence. Takes me back to grammar school. I was alone with no money or possessions, meaning I did not have any things of my own property. So it can be the item itself or it can be a state. This is the important part to consider. So, you know, if you listen to the Jesse and Terry show, if you've been listening to Virgin Most Powerful Radio at all, we always say, what state should we be living in? In the state of grace, right? So it's important to understand that it is a way of being. It is a state of being. Being possessed by something means that now all of a sudden I am in a particular state. How should I put that? Well, you know, you can say, well, I'm in a state of grace. What does that mean? That means I went to confession. I haven't committed any sins that I'm aware of, uh, and I am in full line with God. Okay, well, what if I, I'm in a state of possession by God, really, more than anything else, because I am in a state of grace? Now, think about it, though. God doesn't make us slaves. That's the difference, I think, that that we think about, because in our human nature on this earth, if we say we possess something, usually we think of masters and servants and slaves and and things of that nature. So if we think about it from a deliverance perspective, that's exactly what we think about. That's why we get scared, right? So we say, if there's a perfect possession, what does that mean in the world of deliverance, in the world of, of the diabolical, in the world of evil? Well, perfect possession, let's just take these definitions and apply that. And it says the state of having, owning, or controlling something, well, it's if we're going to say perfect possession when it comes to the devil, it's when the, when the devil has you, owns you, and controls you more than anything else. And, and if we look at the next one, all of a sudden an item of property, something that belongs to one, now all of a sudden you belong to the devil. That's really what perfect possession is. Now, there's a little bit of a misnomer there, a little bit of a lie. You can never belong to the devil. God always owns you no matter what. God made us. God owns us. And whether we are in, in heaven, hell, doesn't matter. God's still the owner. Uh, God's still in charge of everything. Um, how do you, you say, well, Dr. Sandoval, how can God be in charge of you if you're in if you're in hell? That's where we chose to go, but that doesn't mean that God's not in charge of us. If you think about it, when somebody is uh, diabolically influenced, it's not like the devil has free reign. 
the devil's a dog on a leash. God is in charge of him. There's permissions that are allowed, but the demon will tell you, uh, no, I'm only allowed to possess this particular part of the body, or I'm only allowed to, um, to, you know, use a particular language that this person's never spoken. You know, this person comes from Asia and I'm making them speak in uh, perfect English and perfect Spanish and perfect Italian, even though they've come from a small village in Mongolia or something. And so why those languages? Well, that's what God allowed. So if we think about it, everything's in the possession of God, right? The state of having, owning, or controlling something, God hands has, owns, and controls everything. At the same time, then, why is it that these other things exist? Why is it that somebody can be perfectly possessed by the diabolical? Why does the diabolical even exist? Because God in his wisdom gave us choice. And choice is what changes everything. It's what makes us different. It's what makes us almost God-like, if you will. It's where God shares his divinity with us. God gives us choice. God has choice, but God is pure, pure love. God will never betray himself. And it will be impossible for God to ever commit evil. It just doesn't happen that way. But God gives us a choice to be with him. Now, this is where the perfect possession comes in. I have the choice to be with God. I have the choice. Then, therefore, if I have the choice to be with God, by default, I have the choice to not be with God. The question is, what are the consequences to me? Perfect possession, when people have gone down the route of the diabolical, they've made a choice to say, I'm going to allow the demons to possess me, to own me, to control my life, to, to control really my choice. I'm going to give them my choice. That's really what we're doing. Who do I give my choice to? Because remember, like I said earlier in the show, we are not independent of our choices. I'm, I, I don't just gain knowledge. Just I wake up in the morning and think, oh yeah, now I know that. Or I, I was never born just saying, oh yeah, I pretty much know everything. You know, God gave us instinct. I know I need to drink water if I'm thirsty. That's just an instinct that God allows for us to have for survival. But very realistically, we got to remember, we depend on things outside of ourselves in order to survive, in order to grow, in order to think. And when it comes to possession, this is why it can happen. Well, Dr. Sandoval, why can that even happen? Oh my goodness, why would somebody even think about going in that direction? Well, our feeble human minds make that choice, but that can happen because God gave us that choice. God said, you can choose one way or the other, but look at the consequences here. Look at what happens. Now, what happens when somebody's perfectly possessed? For the most part, you'll probably never know it because you would think, you know, most people when we're afflicted by the diabolical, you know, you see negative things happening in people's lives. You see people suffering. You see people not not succeeding in life. You see people losing their money, their friends, their loved ones, all these different things. But if somebody's perfectly possessed by the diabolical, well, at that point, it could be very simply that they're living a very normal life. In fact, they seem very successful. They seem on the surface like everything is going really well. Um, but they've allowed themselves to head down that route. And internally, you know, they have come, shall we say, to a certain level of acceptance. I would say peace, but really more acceptance of this is who is going to control my life. I'm not going to let the Holy Spirit in my, in my life. I'm going to put all my energy and my focus on being, you know, towards the diabolical and really conversing and the way we pray, I'm going to do seances. I'm going to do different things that are not good at all. And so then what happens in that case? What happens is all of a sudden, how does that person ever make a decision to head back? You know, is that possible at some point? Is it possible that, oh my gosh, that's it. You're lost forever. Nope. You can always make that decision. It really is an act of the Holy spirit. It's an act of grace. It's an act of that person coming to a realization that 
boy, this probably isn't good for me, you know, because we are blinded by, well, this is going to bring me pleasure. This is going to bring me goodness. This is going to make me feel good. Um, that happens all the time. People think that all the time. They never stop to think of the actual consequences that can happen. We are not like the, like the angels. The angels had perfect knowledge when they made their choice, when they decided to go against God and they were damned forever. They had perfect knowledge of what was going to happen to them. They understood the details of what was going to happen to them. And they decided in that direction anyway, out of jealousy, out of pride, as we say. Um, there were so many different things. They did not want to serve God. They did not want to serve Jesus. They definitely did not want to serve Our Lady, you know, a young girl uh, who who is going to be the, the doorway to salvation for the world because she's going to uh, allow the Savior to come in. And they could not handle that. They decided, nope, I'm not going to head in that direction. And all of a sudden, they separated themselves from God completely, and hell was created. Um, that's, that's just kind of what happened. As human beings, we get multiple chances. We don't just get one chance of saying, hey, you know, I decided to sin because I thought it looked better. Um, and now that's that's really kind of all there is for me. No, the difference is God has not given us perfect knowledge of what's going to happen to us in terms of visualizing what hell is. I think if most people had a visual idea of hell, like the... Uh, like the young shepherds in Fatima, that was the first secret Our Lady showed them. They said that, you know, the floor opened up and they saw hell and they saw how awful it was and how people were burning in there and how there were different embers and the demons were like these ugly animalistic creatures. And, you know, there was no peace and souls were jumping up and down as in a frying pan and, you know, going up and down in the midst of the flames and had no control over their bodies. Remember, they no longer had any control over themselves. The demons have full possession of them at that point. I think that if we saw that, most of us as human beings, I think would say, no, I, I don't think I want any part of that. How do I know that we have that chance to come back? Because at some point after we sin, through the grace of God, we feel repentance. We feel guilt. We feel like I need to get to confession. Like, you know what? That was not right. And I need to move forward. I need to change that in my life. Well, when somebody's perfectly possessed, they don't get to that point. They've decided otherwise. But can they come back from that? Absolutely. Anything's possible with God. We can, as long as there's air in our lungs, as long as we're breathing, we can always come back from that. The danger comes when all of a sudden we start to realize, I really like this evil stuff. I really like this dark stuff. Remember, Jesus said, if your light is darkness, how deep that darkness will be. If that's what really makes you happy, boy, you're headed down that road of darkness and you made that choice. The hard part is that once we keep making that choice, when it comes time to us to be before the throne of God, Am I ready to say, gosh, I was wrong with that choice? Or am I so rooted in that? Am I so possessed by my choice that that's the way I go? I think that that's one of the biggest challenges. And that's what we see when it comes to the deliverance ministry. You know, perfect possession is I'm happy. I've decided that that the diabolical is the way, shall we say, instead of Jesus, as Jesus told us that he is the way. And I'm going to follow the, down this path. That's a scary place to be. If you've ever met anybody like that or seen anybody like that, you might not even know it. Because they're just, you know, living life like normal. Um, you know, they might be in the upper echelons of society. They might be CEOs. They might be, um, you know, really high-ranking members of the world. And you might not even know it. So that's something to consider. That's the possession uh, that we think about when we say, wow, perfectly possessed by the devil. That's how it goes. Why do we have that choice? Why would somebody make that choice? You know, really would have to ask them what made them go down that route. But the reality is we do have a choice. The beauty is that we have a choice to go the other way. And we're going to talk about that at the end of the show, because that's the message that I really want to leave us with. Um, because remember, when I read that verse from Matthew, that's like a pretty lofty goal. You know, how do we how do we become perfect as our Heavenly Father? We're going to talk about that a little bit. But 
really what it comes down to is, am I being perfectly possessed by God? Am I deciding in that direction or the direction of evil? You know, it gets scary when we think that that's even possible. Gosh, Dr. Sandoval, I don't even want to think about that. That's right. I don't either. But the bigger thing I don't want to think about is, I mean, if I'm in that decision about if I'm going back and forth, okay, I can make decisions. And Jesus says, actually, he can work with that. If you're if you're a really hardened sinner and you really want to go down the, the, the rough route, Jesus says, I can take that and I can change that for the better. I think it gets a little bit more challenging when we become lukewarm. And what does lukewarm mean? Remember, if you look at the book of Revelation and Jesus says, the lukewarm, oh man, I spit them out, I vomit them. Well, this is where we can become perfectly possessed by the world, where we don't even worry about heaven or hell, where we think whatever's happening here is most important. I don't even have time to think about heaven or hell. All I can think about is, you know, I got to get, I got to get, make my life look good. How can I become famous? How can I be worshipped by the world? All this stuff has absolutely, you know, being worshipped by the world has absolutely nothing to do with my salvation, right? And it can lead us down a different path. So let's talk about that a little bit. We start looking at social media, and I see that the, we're going to come up on the break. We're going to talk about this after the break, because what has social media really done to our world? And how can we perfect our lives in spite of that? How can we come out of that if we find ourselves in that rut? How can I come out of that sense that I am consumed, I am possessed by this media, um, and I've kind of lost myself in that? And I've lost even my sense of uh, how do I get closer to God? We're going to talk about more about that when we come back from the break. All right. Well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Louis Sandoval Show. Today, we are talking about perfect possession. What does that really mean? You know, it's interesting in this world because we never really think about possessions other than what do I own? What else can I get? I want to get the latest gadget, the latest electronic. And don't get me wrong. I'm guilty of this as well. Gosh, I want to get the latest whatever it is. It's kind of cool, right? Um, we look at things and we're like, oh, man, that's really cool. I got to have it. How many times do, people, do we think about that? How many times do we do we um, um, do that with actually without even thinking about it? How many times are we thinking, I need to have this, I need to have that, without even realizing that I probably really don't need it. I really like it. I think it's really cool. And I kind of want it to be a part of me. I, I really want that to be a part of me. Um, why, though? And how long does that really last? Because sometimes we get the item that we think is so cool. I think about my kids, and I'm like, and then 15 minutes later, you're done. You want to hold it, you want to manipulate it, you want to see what it was, and then you're done with it, right? So, gosh, I think that that's so cool that I want to have it, I need to have it. But does anything really last for us? As human beings, it's very it's very uh, passive, it's, it's just of the moment, right? But we want to think about that when we do this transition um, between thinking about what's the perfect possession diabolically and then perfect possession from the world and then perfect possession from God. we got to think that there is these competing forces that are looking at us and actually thinking the same thing. We must be something special. We must be something special because I think the demons are seeing us and they're saying, they're looking at our souls. Our soul has to be so magnificent that they're saying, I got to have that. Look at these souls. I got to have them. I got to have that one. And in fact, I got to have that one in particular. And I got to have this one and this one and this one. And I want to take it because there's something going on and I need it. I want it. And we don't even see ourselves in that way because guess what? God is saying the same thing. He's saying, I got to have you. I made you. I love you. I can't stand being without you. I need you here in heaven, and I want you to be happy. I do not want you to be a slave. In fact, how do I know that I don't want you to be a slave? Because Jesus tells us, get rid of all your possessions. Get rid. Let go of the world. I don't want you to be a slave to the world. I want you to come over here, and I call you my friend, and I want what's best for you. Really, that's what a friend is. 
No greater love. He says, I'm willing to give up my life for you. That's how much I want you, but that's how much I love you. That's how much I don't want to be your master. Let's think about this. Let's look at social media. Well, how does social media possess us as a society? It's interesting, really, to me. I see this as a case study, if you will. Um, when I see my patients, I see what they go through. But, you know, if you listen to my show, you know I like definitions. So I just Googled right now, and I just said social media. I wanted to see what came up. I wanted to see what a general definition of social media is. This is not in a dictionary. This is Social Media Over You by Tufts uh, University, and it's Tufts Communication and Marketing Department. Um, it's their communications department. So let's see what they say. They say social media refers to the means of interactions, the means of interactions among people in which they create share and or exchange information and ideas in virtual communities and networks. What does that mean? Let's read that again. Means of interaction. So it's the way we interact among people in which they create, share, and or exchange information, create, share, or exchange information and ideas in virtual communities and networks. You know what I gleaned from all that? All that's great. You know, people, share, we create, exchange. It sounds awesome. It sounds like a project. Um, information and ideas, right? People are like, oh, we got to get ideas out there. The biggest word I got out of that was virtual. Virtual communities and networks, which tells me it's all fake. Social media is there. We share certain things, but there's a part of it that is always going to be fake. It's virtual. It's not real. You gotta, We got to remember that. We've taken virtual now to mean, you know, that we communicate just like now, Dr. Sandoval, are you fake? I'm seeing you virtually. I'm seeing you on the computer. Um, you know, we've got to ask ourselves this. Is it real in the sense that it means something to us? I think that virtual communities, they're all fake. So what, what do I mean by that? I'm thinking of this more in terms of the story I want to share with you guys about possession. Um, because this is what I had to come to grips with with this patient of mine. Um, and he, he came to this realization of it's all fake. And I'm like, yeah, it's virtual. It's all fake. It's not real. I think the difference is what information and what ideas are we exchanging? Because some of it could be very real. You know, I think that it can be very inspirational to hear a good talk on our Lord, a good talk on our lady. I, I, I look at this all the time. I, I, I listen to, of course, all our, uh, our shows here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio listen to Jesse and Terry, Jesus 911. I'm listening to these shows. I'm listening to Matt Arnold. And they're really inspirational. But I realize that they're inspirational because it's something that I need to take and apply to my life, right? I take something that is in the virtual sphere and I need to apply it to my life and it's towards something real, okay? The difference is, let me share the story about this patient and maybe we can understand a little bit more what I mean about how we had to come to the idea that it's all fake. I think that when it comes to Christ, when it comes to the truth, it can never be fake. You know, I sit there, I listen to, uh, say, Father Mike Schmidt and or any of these talks that uh, Father Chris Alar give, or I listen to Catholic Answers or whatever it is that's going to inspire me to be more Catholic or help me think about how to apply my Catholic faith to my life. But notice that I'm applying it to my life. That's the truth. There's no way that if we are listening to the, to the Catholic, if we're reading the Catholic Bible, listening to a verse from the Bible, listening to somebody give us a, a talk about the realities of Christ, that I can apply that to my life and that can be honest and that can be truth. Remember, we're dealing now in the world of truth and lies. We're dealing in the world of, you know, are we going to believe the truth of God or are we going to believe the lies that the world is going to give us? And so 
with this patient, let me give you a little background on him. He was in his late, I want to say late 20s, early 30s, right around there. And one of the challenges he had is he was going through a deep depression and anxiety. He wasn't sure why. He was married, um, but the marriage was was kind of on the rocks. It, it wasn't very good. There was a lack of affection. Um, he felt that he that his wife did not love him and or was no longer showing him love. Or he just did not feel loved by her. He didn't feel fulfilled in his marriage. He didn't know what was going on. And all of a sudden, he started turning to social media because that's where his buddies were now and his friends. And so he started talking to people. And he says, you know, I feel better because I'm reaching out to people. But as he's reaching out to people on social media, his marriage is falling apart. The problem is that he started feeling, he started gaining this idea that he was important, that people cared about him, um, which I'm sure they did to a certain point. Um, but, you know, these are people that are people who knew from high school that have now moved far away, people that are aren't anywhere near. And that's that's actually one of the great things about social media that we can reach around the world and instantaneously, which was unheard of, you know, years ago, not too long ago, it was unheard of to do that. But now we can reach around the world instantaneously. But what message are we giving? Now, for him, he started to feel fulfilled. But what was going on? As he's talking to people, he's realizing that he feels a little bit more important, a little bit more cared for, you know, people in snippets. And he got in touch with an old high school friend. And it was an old high school friend who was a female and somebody who revealed to him through social media, hey, I used to have a real big crush on you in high school. And he said, no way, I couldn't, how come you never told me that? I had a total crush on you too. And, you know, they got to talking and he started really feeling this affection towards this person that he wasn't getting from his wife. And all of a sudden, what started to develop was what we call nowadays an emotional relationship. So they weren't physically in the same room, but he started giving his emotions to her. He start, started feeling emotionally fulfilled by this person, and he felt that she was being emotionally fulfilled as well. And they kept chatting back and forth, flirtatious talk. Um, and it got to the point where he decided he was actually thinking about, I'm going to divorce my wife because I spend so much more time on social media and I feel so much more in love with this person. And this person really is everything to me right now. And I talk to my friends on social media and I have this whole nother world in there that that's where I'm feeling happy. Little did he know that he was starting to get possessed by social media. Why? Because he's in this virtual world that are the emotions real? Well, we feel real emotions, but guess what? Even demons can make you feel loved. Even demons, if they, if they take possession of you or they start obsessing, you know, giving you uh, uh, oppression or, or you're going through an obsession, they can make you feel anything you want, any, anything, you know, in many different ways. They're, they have that ability to manipulate us that way. So we have to be really guarded with our emotions and ask ourselves, hey, you know, are my emotions real or not? But really, at the end of the day, my feelings don't matter. Why? Because the fact is he's married to somebody. And he's not working on his relationship. Isn't that what he promised? This is a Catholic marriage. I promised I was going to love this other person. I promised I was going to work on my relationship. And now that I'm not feeling fulfilled by that, am I allowed to say, well, you know, this virtual world makes me feel better? Well, no. Technically, we're supposed to say, I don't feel good about this marriage right now. I need to work on this. I need to work through it. In fact, it's kind of like being at the gym and saying, I need to get stronger, but I don't feel good getting stronger. It's really annoying to work out. Well, guess what? That's the only way to get stronger. I got to get my marriage stronger. What's happening, which is really real in my life right now. I have a very real wife. She's physically here, um, but we're not getting along. But I'm living this whole other world in this virtual reality. Can I apply this to my life? This patient, this is what I mean by, you know, none of it was real. I can't take that and apply it to my real life. If I'm going to listen to 
a good Catholic talk, if I'm going to listen to the life of a saint, if I'm going to listen to, um, you know, different uh, um, uh, communities out there that are talking about how can we be better Catholics and how can we understand what the magisterium of the church is, how can we understand the gospels of the church, I can take that and apply that to my real life. But notice that I am not so dulled into social media that I say, that's where I stay. I got to go to the computer and I live in the computer. I say, I'm gaining information. It's kind of like reading a book, like reading the Bible and saying, I'm gaining information. I'm going to apply it to my life so that in my real life with my children, my wife and everything, I can hopefully be a better person and I can reach um, some level of perfection with them, some level of Catholic perfection with them so that I can be possessed by the Holy Spirit in that sense. He, however, was living in the computer his emotions, everything, his life was in the computer. And so what happened to him? What happened in his life? How did we become, how did we come to that realization that it was all fake? Well, I'm helping him treat his anxiety and his depression because guess what? That's not going away. Why isn't it going away? Because eventually he has to turn off the computer, right? He can't be on the computer 24 seven, although he tried to be on it as much as possible because he was getting perfectly possessed by it because that's all he wanted. And every time he turned off the computer, I had to come back to his living room, had to come back to his kids. He had a couple of kids, had to come back to his present real life. He wasn't happy. He was depressed. He was anxious. He wasn't feeling good. He needed to get away and he wanted to escape by social media and all this new community of friends he thought he had made. Well, what does he do? He gets so involved in it, so wrapped up in it. And he thinks I got to follow my feelings, right? Because that's what society tells us nowadays. Hey, you got to follow your feelings that he decides I'm going to keep talking to this friend of mine. And in fact, we're going to make plans to meet. We're going to make plans to meet and, and see what happens there. Um, because I think this is headed in a, in, a, in a much better direction. I need to divorce my family. I'm going to leave my wife and kids and I'm going to meet this friend. So they start doing this. They start setting up a date to meet. They weren't even in the same state anymore, but he was going to go travel to meet her. Well, I see that we're coming up on the break. I'm going to let you know what happened after he met her um, because we got to look at the realities of social media and the realities of real life. We'll ask ourselves, what's possessing us? All right. Well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. And today we are talking about perfect possession. What does that really mean? Really, more than anything else, we got to remember, if we're going to talk about perfect possession, we got to remember that as human beings, there is a part of us that has the ability of being possessed. In fact, we're possessed by different things. Sometimes when people say, oh, I'm obsessed by this, I, I need to always listen to this music, this group, this band, I've got posters all over my room, you know, I'm obsessed with this. Yeah, that's, you know, we have different obsession, obsessions, but one of the questions I would have is, are you possessed by it? Meaning that there's nothing else that controls you it now, you know, people say that, um, sometimes if you listen to, to some of the intellectuals in society, they'll say, boy, all this technology, we're really worried when uh, technology gets to the point where it becomes self-aware because then it can control us. You know, all of a sudden the, the, the robots, the, the computers are going to run our lives because it's, it's going to become self-aware. It's, they're going to know that they exist and how smart they are and how smart we programmed them. And then they're going to control us. Well, folks, I got to say, I think they already do control us. I don't have to wait for the computer to be self-aware. I think we have become slaves to technology in many ways. Try turning off your phone. Try not being on the computer. Try, you know, going away some somewhere and just not having any communication with uh, any kind of uh, IT, any kind of media, any kind of internet or anything like that. Is it possible? Is it possible for us now? How do we function? If, if the electricity goes out, you know, if I'm at work and the electricity goes out and the computer's not working, 
I can't see patients. It, it's not possible anymore. I think in many ways we are already being controlled by our own technology, not because it's self-aware, but because we've created this world where we have made ourselves dependent on it. Um, and that's just kind of how it goes. Before the break, I was talking about a patient I was seeing suffering from depression and anxiety, meeting up with people on social media, finding more fulfillment in people on social media that he was interacting with, chatting with, flirting with an old friend from high school than in his own family who was right there with him, not virtual, but very real, and putting his energy into developing these friendships um, where essentially they're just talking back and forth uh, uh, through the computer and not being in the same room, not, not understanding each other in real life. Well, where I left off the story was he met this girl, uh, or I should say, he touched base again with a girl he had known in high school. They started flirting with each other, talking, and uh, they decided they were going to meet up and they were going to talk to each other. And that uh, he was at the point where he was going to leave his family and he was going to go meet with his gal and, and just say, hey, this is it. This is going to be my new life because it feels so good. Um, and we seem to really click online and, you know, my wife and I, whatever, it's not going to work out. Well, they make plans to go meet. He finds a way to leave, you know, says to lies to his wife, of course, starts with a lie, right? So all of a sudden he starts lying or I got to go for work, a conference, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he decides he's going to go meet this friend of his. He goes to meet her and he comes back and, he, and I say, well, what happened? And he tells me about it after the fact. And he says, it was the darndest thing. He went to go meet her and there was something that just didn't click. Like he said, what happened? You know, he, he got there and, and they were talking and, and it was great at first, but as he was meeting her, as he was seeing the way she was acting, and he said it wasn't anything particular. She was a nice person. It was all get out. You know, he, he thought, gosh, she reminded me of, of the person I met, you know, when I knew her back in high school. Of course, she was more mature now, thank goodness. And she'd grown up some, but, you know, he met her and, and he, something didn't happen though. It wasn't this person he met on the computer who he knew through the computer, who he felt was, you know, the right person for him, who he imagined this life of perfection moving forward, um, is is not uh, all of a sudden the person he thought she was. He meets her and it's like, no, this isn't working. What, what's going on? And, you know, he comes back home. And after, you know, they, they talked and all that, and they said, oh, of course, we're going to keep in touch. And this is great. But he knew that that wasn't going to work. And, and he comes back home. And now he's faced with this reality of multiple different emotions that he has now. One, he felt really dumb. That's the first thing he said. He said, I felt really stupid um, because I came home and, I, and also my eyes were kind of open to, wait, this, there's, there's no such thing as a perfect relationship. Even if I met some other woman, not, let's say not this girl, if I met some other woman and I decided I was going to go after her, I wasn't, it wasn't always going to be happy. It wasn't always going to be perfect. We, you know, it might feel good at first and then down the road, I'm back to square one where I'm going to keep chasing a different perfection and it's just not going to work. Um, and so we talked through that a little bit and we said, well, what happened there? What was the breakdown? Let's, let's talk a little bit about what happened and, and what happened in your life. Uh, and he says, you know, I don't understand it. And this is where I told him, I said, well, the, the problem is that it was all fake. You, it, it was fake because you were trying to create this life when you already had a real life with you that you knew that you had in the back of your mind at some level, you knew you had the responsibility of your wife and kids. And even if you divorced them, you were thinking, well, I still have to somehow be responsible for the kids and pay child support. And, and you're going to try to create this whole other life, imagining that the life that you have now is going to disappear and it's just going to go away. And you're, and you're going to have this brand new, perfect life that you're going to be so happy with and so happy about. 
but it doesn't work that way. That's where the virtual part comes in. That's where it's not real. You can't take any of that fake relationship and apply it to your real life. Your real life is you've got this wife, you've got these kids, and it doesn't feel good. And guess what? Life doesn't always feel good. It's not supposed to. It's part of human nature. But we live in a society right now where we think that depression or struggle or not feeling good is optional. The same way that we think that, you know, in many ways, I see this in the, in the medical world, we think that death is optional. We don't talk about that. If the doctor didn't do everything, if, if, my, if my family member died, the doctor failed. The hospital failed. Somebody killed my family member, even though they were 97 years old with end-stage liver disease and kidney failure. Um, but no, something failed because my, my loved one's not supposed to die. That's really much our, that's pretty much our attitude with everything. It's like nothing's supposed to die. It's, death is optional. And we're always supposed to feel good. Feeling bad should be optional. Doc, give me a pill. I don't feel good. That's pretty much what this patient was telling me. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I don't feel good. And so we started talking about, remember I said he was Catholic. And we started talking about what is real. Because all of a sudden you're in this in this relationship where you thought it was perfect, you thought it was good, but then you don't have the sense of of reality because we've came to realize this is this was a virtual, non-real relationship in the sense that, well, there were two real people. You guys were real friends from before, but you hadn't lived life together. You hadn't been in the same room together. You could meet up again for a little while. Does that mean that you're in a position to be with this person forever? No, it was virtual. Something was possessing him. The idea of perfection, the idea that there could be something better through a computer, through our technology, by what the world offers. It's what happens to anybody who's obsessed and possessed by social media. You know, you get on the social media and you think, this is it. This is this is where my life is. And in fact, I had to live up to everybody else's perfection. We'll come to find out that a lot of the pe people who post pictures on social media, their lives weren't perfect. They might have been arguing before the picture. They might have been struggling before the picture. But they took one moment to everybody stop and smile in front of an ocean, which might have been just the ocean down the street, didn't have to be some exotic island or some beautiful trip. But we imagine that the imagination is always more uh, exciting than the reality. The imagination is always worse than the reality. The imagination can take us to many places. And I think that this is what brings us back to, well, then what do we do? Because I sat down with my patient and he's kind of feeling lost now. He felt really dumb, really more than anything else. And he's like, what am I supposed to do? Because now I've realized this is my life. I've got this family here. I'm not necessarily happy about it. And I had to ask him, well, what do you want to do? Because you are married. You made a promise to be with your wife. My question is, when all this started, you felt like you were not loved. Like you were, like your wife wasn't really there for you or paying attention to you. And my question is, let me flip that on you a little bit. Not in a mean way, in a very honest way and say, hey, did you, what are you doing? Does she feel loved by you? Have you asked yourself that question? Have you put effort into the relationship? Because... Again, remember when we get married, perfection is all we want, right? We, we, we think oh, my life's going to be perfect. Having an off time in our marriage or, or feeling like, you know, we're not on the same page for us. We check the box of optional. That's not, that's just optional. I don't want that part. Uh, in fact, I'm going to order a marriage here and it's going to have these characteristics. I'm going to order a partner. They have to have these characteristics and they can never be in a bad mood. That's just optional. They can never be human. That's optional. Um, and they have to fulfill my every need. That's not optional. The, the, you know, this, this is the way we view marriage, not because, uh, and I don't mean this in a mean way, I mean, it, that's the way our society has programmed us to view it, because our technology is such that we think we can pick and choose, 
right? No, I want this. I want that. I want, I want my, uh, I want to watch my movie at this time. I want to watch it at home. You know, nowadays, before I remember the days where we used to have to wait till something came on TV or something, um, well, you know, gosh, what day of the week is it? What time of day is it? And I'm going to watch a movie. I'm going to set that time aside for it. Um, nowadays, I don't have to do that. It's just there. And so now I say, oh, I can watch it whenever I want. So I need to keep that though, because I want to keep that option of watching it when I want, how I want on demand. I think one of the challenges is that that bleeds over into our emotions. I need to feel good on demand. We forget that there is a process. We forget that there is a moment where I don't feel good. I have to work through this. We quickly, quickly turn to a pill. With my patient, what we decided was, hey, you're demanding perfection of your wife really is more than anything else. And that's the reality. Let's have a real conversation, not a virtual conversation where I can feel perfect in the in the uh, nether world of the internet. But let's have a real conversation. What is it that you're asking of your wife? You're asking her to love you more, to make you feel more loved. And you're demanding that level of perfection from her. Are you giving that level of perfection back? You know, and I think that this is where perfect possession comes in, in terms of I can be perfectly possessed by God as well. Remember, if we have the capacity to be possessed by anything, that means that we can be possessed by the Holy Spirit too. We can allow the Holy Spirit. We can be consumed by the Holy Spirit. We can think about God all the time. And I think that this is where this Bible verse comes in because I think it's a hard Bible verse to swallow. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect again. That's Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. We have to ask ourselves, well, how is God perfect? We know that God's perfect, and we have this image of like, oh my God, I could never be perfect like that. How am I going to be perfect like God? Oh my God. So we have to ask ourselves, well, how is God perfect? What am I moving towards here? Because I can easily say, well, I need to be perfect the way the internet wants me to be perfect. I can be perfect the way a computer is perfect, which means that I'm mathematically uh, you know, superior, things of that nature. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus doesn't say be perfect according to the world or be perfect according to technology. He says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And I think that we need to ask ourselves, how is God perfect? God is perfected, as we say, in love. God is all love. At the end of the day, God is love. What is, what is the final end of God is love? That's perfection. Notice that Jesus didn't say, stop sinning right now, although he means that. Jesus, when he tells people, when he cures people, he says, go sin no more, right? So get sin out of your life. Of course, absolutely. That's understood here. But that's not what he's saying. Those aren't the words he used. He says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, right? Because before that, he was talking about, well, if you're only nice to your enemies and you only greet your brother, um, everybody does that, you know? Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. God is love to everybody, which means that I'm going to be perfect. I'm going to be possessed by God. And I'm going to accept the fact that my loved ones, my family, my wife, she might not always be my friend. And what do I mean by that? She might not always be in a good mood. What I imagine of my friend, she might not always be in a good mood, but guess what I'm going to do? I want to keep loving her regardless of where she's at in her day, in her life. And I hope that she loves me back because that's the promise we made, right? But how am I going to be perfect? How am I going to be perfectly possessed? I'm going to learn to love regardless of what's going on around me. Not virtually, not because it's making me feel good, but sometimes it's not going to make me feel good. And at the same time, I'm going to continue to love. If I head in that direction, if I head in the direction of love and allow myself to be possessed by the Holy Spirit, well, I think that we're headed towards that perfection the way God is perfect. God loves us no matter what. I think we need to do the same in return to ourselves and to the world. Until next time, this is Dr. Stendhal saying, keep it going.